Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the AMPM podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss generating recurring revenue 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM. As a matter of fact, I was just at the movies and I was making money while watching that movie. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So welcome to episode number eight. My name is Manny Coates and I will be your host. And in this episode, we're gonna be talking about finding a supplier that you can source and buy all of your products from. And today's focus is going to be primarily, if not completely on Alibaba. We're talking about Alibaba.com. It is the website, the place to go to find thousands of manufacturers, factories, trade organizations, pretty much the place to go if you wanna find any kind of product you can imagine. And if they do not have it readily available, you can have them make it, or you'll find somebody that can actually make that particular product. Okay, so let's back up for two seconds here. We're going to assume that you've listened to episodes five, six, and seven, which discuss researching the actual products, analyzing the market, seeing what your competitors are doing. And now we're gonna be talking about sourcing that product, okay? So you've found the product that you want to make or source, and you're ready to go. So Alibaba.com is where you're gonna to go to start contacting suppliers. So the way I do it is I create a form letter essentially an email that I'm going to use to basically mass contact a number of suppliers. And I changed some variables in it and we're gonna go over that email in just a little bit and I'm also gonna provide that email template for you all in the show notes. But the first thing you wanna do is you wanna to go to alibaba.com and you're gonna do a search for the product that you're looking to actually find. Okay, and now there's gonna be a ton and a ton of search results for the products that you search for. Most likely, if it's something that's generally uh, well-known or, or common. Now, if you're searching for some kind of crazy, you know, super weird widget, then maybe, yeah, there's not that many, but chances are there's gonna be a bunch of them. So we're gonna have to narrow this down because first of all, we wanna find good suppliers, right? We wanna find suppliers that have been around for a while, and we essentially wanna make sure that we're eliminating as many of the bad seeds that are out there as possible because as we all know with any market that you get into, there's always gonna be somebody out there, some company, some individual that is going to try to take advantage of people. They're going to try to scam people. So here's what you do. You do a search for your product, right? So let's just say that you are doing a search for a widget, the golden widget, whatever you wanna search for. Now there's gonna be three check boxes when the search results come up, okay? Uh, the one that you really wanna pay attention to is the gold supplier checkbox. And you're gonna to wanna to tick that because by checking the gold supplier button, you're only gonna be dealing with companies that have been around on Alibaba that have generated enough feedback, enough positive reviews to actually be listed as a gold supplier, okay? 
So essentially, if you're a scammer and you're scamming people, you're not going to be on Alibaba in six months. You're going to be gone. So you wouldn't have a gold supplier uh, status. So that's the first thing you want to check. Now that's going to eliminate a lot of the search results. The next thing you want to do, I think, is you should check the trade assurance box. Now the trade assurance feature or the, the service I covered in episode number three. So if you want to know more about that, go back to episode number three and listen to the Alibaba trade assurance episode I did. But to summarize that very quickly, it's insurance that Alibaba offers on that or that that particular supplier is offering through Alibaba that allows you to be protected in case you essentially don't get the products or they're not as advertised or they missed their shipping date. There's there's a, a few variables in there, right? So you can make sure that the money that you have put into escrow, essentially, you're wiring the money to Alibaba, they're holding it and they release it to the supplier. So you're covered for that amount. Everybody has a different trade assurance amount. Some factories or suppliers are just a couple grand, a couple thousand dollars worth of uh, trade assurance. Others have huge numbers that will cover even the largest orders that you make. Okay, those are the first two things you want to check. The final tick box that you want to check is one called assessed supplier. Now, when you check that box, you're going to really see the numbers drop. Okay, I had one that was at 600,000 when I started in terms of total products that were being shown and it dropped to just over 10% of that amount. I think it was like 70,000. Still, I mean, that was a very broad product search. But anyways, assessed supplier is essentially saying that the company has been assessed by a third party inspection company. It's one more variable, one more thing that shows that the company is uh, more legitimate than had they not been assessed, right? So always check those three things. I think they're always good to have. I mean, the assessed supplier might be the one thing that I uncheck if there's just hardly any results coming up. Uh, and then there's other things that I would probably do to make sure, you know, in terms of payment, uh, that to, to make sure that I'm not going to lose that money should that supplier just disappear or not uh, do my order. I would definitely still make sure they have trade assurance or I would pay through PayPal. I'd get everything written on the purchase order. A lot of things that I would do. But if you do all three of these, you should be pretty, pretty good. As a little side note, when I was first doing this and starting out, I was contacting pretty much everybody. I didn't know about the little check boxes and what I should do. And I think that there's a lot of companies on there that might not even be involved in actually selling products, I think, or at least uh, physical goods. They are more email collectors and they would collect your emails. And then the next thing I, I knew on my side was that email got sold and I started getting contacted by tons and tons and tons of companies, not even related to the product that I was searching for. So I think that's a little business that they do, show some stuff really cheap, get some people to email them, collect those emails, and then resell them to the factories. So, all right, back to the products. You've got your products, or the, the search results being shown. You're gonna see the image of the product. You're gonna see a price, and um, it used to see it say MOQ. Now it says minimum order, or at least that's, uh, that's what I see most of the time now. And that's just the number of minimum number of products that the company is willing to sell you. Now, don't get frightened if you see big numbers there. These numbers typically are negotiable. They're just putting those there for the most part, I think, to scare away tire kickers, right? People who aren't that interested. So uh, don't worry about that. You're going to want to find the products. You're going to want to create a spreadsheet where you have the 
company information that you're contacting, basically any information you want on that on that particular company so that you can go back and refer to it and see who you've contacted, who you haven't, what product you were actually contacting them about. Now to the very right of the image of that particular product will be the company's name and you can click on that and that'll actually pull up all their other products. There's a product categories link at the top and you can use the pull down and and see all the various categories that they have and then really go in and see uh, maybe some other products that they have that you might not have known about that are interesting. So my general rule of thumb is that I try to contact at least five suppliers when there's plenty of them to choose from. Oftentimes there's more than 10 per product that I'm going after. The more the better because you really want to narrow it down and you're going to be trying to price them against one another. So you're going to have to kind of be a little bit ruthless when it comes to that and you're just you're going to lose some of them through the the pricing war. So the more you have, the better hopefully you've you'll eventually narrow it down to like 3 or 4 guys that have essentially the same product and then from there it's just going to be about price and who you uh, communicate better with who's online when you need them you know somebody that you can have a long-term relationship with that's pretty important now there's gonna be times where you search for a product and there just aren't that many suppliers it's just very unique and I'll give you an example there was a time where there was a product that I found a seller on Amazon selling and they were the only ones selling this particular product and it was awesome I was I was uh, tracking them they were just crushing it they were making tons of sales the margins were really really good and this was gonna be my number one product by far even better than the stuff I have now which which is doing really well so I found the supplier eventually and there was just one supplier that was doing it and I ended up ordering a sample and I got the sample and it was awesome. It was just, it looked exactly like their product, but it was branded a little bit differently. Long story short, I soon found out it was patented like nine times by the company that was selling it. And I didn't check for that initially. And that's that's one of the things that I now ask for in my initial emails that I sent out. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I had to basically abandon that product, right? I mean, it was patented. I didn't want my first product to be a headache and try to potentially fight any legal issues that might arise from it. That particular supplier said they owned the patent on it. It wasn't until I actually did a search on the company name, the company that was on Amazon that was selling it, that I found out just by luck. I had a weird feeling that I did this uh, patent search and sure enough, they came up as patent owners for this product. So again, I abandoned it and I moved on. So if you only see one product or one supplier selling a particular product, just be wary. Chances are there's a reason why that's the case, right? It's probably because nobody can sell it. So there are no suppliers that are actually making it. So keep an eye out for that. That's a big red flag. So I mentioned earlier that I have an email form, a template that I use to send out to all the suppliers. And this came about because I'm contacting so many different suppliers that uh, even if they were different products, I could just change a few fields, right? And send that email out and it would just save a ton of time. Now it evolved. I modified it as I was going to fit different niches, right? Niches, niches. How do you pronounce that? <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. We'll call it a niche. So I, I am adjusting all the emails for each niche, for each product and for each supplier. And I ask quite a few questions in these emails, okay? And I think that's important because it shows the supplier that I'm serious, right? If they see a big list of questions, they're all numbered so that it's very easy to go through, they're gonna take me more serious. And believe me, they get hit up daily. 
probably by dozens and dozens of people each, right? By these tire kickers, people who are just looking to score one product, something they can get for cheap as a sample just because they want to give it to their girlfriend or whatever the case might be, right? So this template I use, it gets me really good responses. It shows that I'm serious and it allows me to follow up with a series of emails that uh, generate really good results. So let me, I'm going to read you the email template. I'll explain why I'm, I'm asking some of these things. It's not the shortest email. There's actually 10 bulleted items that I ask. I actually number them, one, two, three, four, all the way through 10. Because I've found that if I don't number things, if I just ask a bunch of questions, the suppliers will end up skipping some of them. All right, so I say, hello, my name is Manny Coates and I'm the purchasing manager for Widgets LLC. You can put your company name in there, of course. I'm a very serious buyer and my company deals in large volume purchases and we hope to repeat our purchases with you every month. You may be interested in adding your products to our new product line. I'm interested in a small test order of 1,000 of your ultra widget products. We're currently interviewing new suppliers and I have a few questions. Number one, what is your best price for this product? Number two, what kind of packaging comes with this product? Does your price include customizing this package? Number three, what is the cost to ship all of these via Express Air through UPS, FedEx, or DHL? Number four, does the price you quoted include adding our one color logo to the product? If not, what does that cost? Number five, who is the main contact or representative at the factory that can speak English on a voice Skype call? Number six, where is the factory located, its full address? Number seven, can myself or one of my agents visit your factory? Number eight, do you have the necessary certifications for sale in the USA? If so, what is needed for these products to ensure there are no issues with customs and that they arrive here okay? Number nine, are there any patents or trademarks on this product in the USA? And number 10, what is your Skype ID for faster communication? Then I continue, I'd say, if you have the best price out of all the companies we contact, our first test order will be 1,000 units. In the future, our monthly repeat orders will be much larger. We look forward to building our business with you. We are very serious. Thank you for your time. Sincerely, Manny Coates, Widgets, LLC. Okay, so let's go through these questions one at a time and I'll explain why I'm actually asking them because some of them seem kind of weird and they're probably not even that important to you, generally speaking, right? So let's go through them. Okay, so first of all, I start off the email by saying I'm the purchasing manager for the company. I don't say I'm the CEO or the president because I kind of want to play good cop, bad cop later on. I'm going to be pushing the decision-making to somebody else. I'm kind of on their side and I'm, I'm fighting upper management to try to get the best pricing. So we'll get into that uh, a little later. Okay, I'm saying we're a serious buyer and that we deal in large volumes, right? Because that's that's gonna trigger something with them. They want these people that buy big. And I also mentioned we repeat, we're repeat buyers every month. The factories really love this. All right, I mentioned their product. That way, when they do respond to me, I can actually look at the email that I sent them and I can see what the product was for. You can actually also put that in the subject line if you're actually contacting them directly. If you're using Alibaba system, it'll automatically do that for you. Okay, so question number one, what is your best price for the product? That's just establishing um, their initial price point. Chances are they're gonna come down from there and we're gonna work on on that with them or we're gonna be pitting them against all the other suppliers to get that price down, okay? So we wanna see what, 
what their initial offer is. And sometimes they'll come to you and they'll ask you, you know, what your price point is, what, what's your target price, what are you looking to reach? And I always go back to them and say, hey, you know, you, you provide your best pricing. Okay, so two, what kind of packaging comes with this product? And does your price include customizing this package? This, this is important. You wanna find out what kind of product packaging comes with it. Is it a box? Is it a poly bag? You know, is, is that gonna be extra? Are they gonna to try to throw that in later? You're getting this out all up front right now so that there's no hidden prices that pop up later on. You don't want them to give you like a really good price and you're like, yeah, you know, this is awesome. It beats out everybody else. And then they come back later and, and they charge you for all these little, you know, ancillary add-ons, these little, little things that start to add up. So find out um, what kind of packaging comes with it and then find out what, it's, what is it gonna cost for you to actually get that packaging customized? Because if you're not actually doing something to the product itself, like, like uh, sticking your logo on it or something like that or modifying it slightly, then you're going to not really have a private label product. So you better have something on the box at least or on the package or whatever it might be. So that might be a big sticker, it might be a custom box design, whatever it is, you gotta have something. So what is the cost to ship all of these via Express Air through UPS, FedEx, or DHL? This is important because you wanna find out what the pricing is using their account, okay? And they might sometimes, uh, actually, they'll probably almost always ask you what your, your shipping account number is and, and for, through which company, whether it's FedEx, UPS, or whoever that you're gonna be using. I always try to get them to use their own service. I find that it's, typically as good if not better than the pricing that I'm getting, right? Because when we're, we're ordering from China, for example, you're not using Amazon's shipping service at this point. So you don't get those incredibly super low rates. That doesn't happen until you're actually shipping here in the US. So if I'm getting the stuff sent over via Express Air, I ask them what the cost is. And that way they're putting everything out there up front. It's, it's, they're giving me their best price for the product and they're giving me their shipping costs. They can't use one to pad the other, right? We've seen this happen when you go buy a car, right? <laughs> they, they'll, you're, if you're gonna be trading in a car, they'll you know, give you very little for the car that you're trading in, but if they have to give you more for the car that you're trading in, they, they pad the, the actual car you're buying. They, they do something over there. They don't discount it as much as you want. They, they get their money one way or the other. So by doing this, we're finding out what the shipping costs are, we're finding out what the actual product costs are, and you're getting the full you know, the full spectrum of, of all the pricing. All right, so the next question, does the price you quoted include adding our one color logo to the product? If not, what does that cost? Again, I talked about this just earlier. You want to private label your product. So unless you're actually doing something with the product itself, you're, you're modifying it in some way, right? You've got some kind of kitchen tool and you're making the handle longer or you're adding something to it that makes it unique. If it's gonna be the same product that everybody else sells, then you're gonna have to do something with the packaging. You're either gonna have to change the color and throw your logo on it, maybe not only on the logo or on the on the product itself, but also on the packaging. Okay, I do both whenever I can, um, unless the product's really big and it's coming in like you know one of those uh, standard just regular cardboard boxes. Then I'll just stick a a little label on there, but the the packet or the product itself that's inside will have my logo stamped onto it. And you want to get the pricing for that, that logo being added on there. Because again, this is one of those extra costs that will come up later. Anything that you do not negotiate for upfront is going to come back later, right? Whether it is a one color stamp, whether it's 
applying labels, printing labels, adding suffocation labels, adding your SKUs, your FN SKU numbers or ID or tags, um, whatever it is, right? You either are going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to have Amazon do it. You're going to have to have your supplier do it. It might as well get your supplier to do it. It's going to be cheaper overall. That's what I do. I have everything done by my supplier. That way, by the time it comes into the US, all I have to do is clear customs and have it shipped directly to Amazon, their fulfillment uh, warehouses, and I'm done. I don't even need to send it to my, my place. I don't want to do that anymore, especially when I'm dealing with 50 different boxes, for example. Okay, so that, uh, that was question four. Question five, who is the main contact uh, representative at the factory that can speak English on a voice Skype call? This um, is just for me. I've had scenarios where the person I'm talking to is just a sales rep and they don't speak the best English, but they have somebody there at the factory that it actually does speak English well. So if I do want to get on a Skype call, I can do that. I would say nine out of 10 times though, the person that you're dealing with is going to just say themselves. So it's if you're going to eliminate a question, if you wanted to, to reduce it a little bit, that would be the one to, to remove. Question six, where's the factory located? its full address and question seven, can myself or one of my agents visit your factory? Now, the reason I ask those two questions is I'm trying to qualify that factory. I wanna make sure that they're not just some small hole in the wall place that doesn't have any you know, quality assurance practices that they've somehow have slipped through the cracks and have a gold supplier listing or, or rating and that they just don't want anybody to come to their factory because it's not representative of what they're actually trying to portray, right? I've had a couple of them come clean and, and essentially say that their main factory is in another city, but I would say probably eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, they'll give me the address and say, absolutely, if you're ever in uh, in China or you're ever in our city, come in and visit. And that's why I mention, I don't say myself, I say myself or, or my agent because chances of me going, they know that's pretty rare, but my agent, somebody out there could be very likely. Okay, so question number eight, do you have the necessary certifications for sale in the USA? If not, what is needed for these products to ensure there are no issues with customs when they arrive here? So this is in case you're dealing with any kind of product that requires specific certifications that customs essentially is going to require before they'll allow it into the US. Uh, some of them will clear with no problem. Other products need certain certifications. And I actually had a product that actually cleared customs, no issues, but then when it got to Amazon, it had a hazmat review. So I had to fill out all these forms and try to get it approved. That's a whole different podcast. It was an interesting story, so I'll probably talk about that in a different uh, different episode. But um, just ask them, if you're dealing with toys or things that kids are gonna be putting in their mouths, You know, it might come under scrutiny when it's coming through the border uh, or coming to the border and it might get stuck. It might not even be let in, so you wanna make sure. All right, number nine, are there any patents or trademarks on the product in the US? Okay, I, I mentioned that earlier. Super important. I've actually had probably multiple times where the, the factory will say, yes, there is a patent, but it's only in the United States. At this point, they may, this is before I was um, actually asking uh, very specific questions where I was letting them know that I was in the USA, but they would, for example, think that I'm in the UK or, or in some other country. But yeah, in the US where everything is, you know, where everybody's legal happy, where we have more attorneys in the United States than pretty much the rest of the world combined, you got to be careful. You want to make sure that there aren't any patents or trademarks, or you might spend all your money on 
on inventory, get it out here. And then as soon as it gets listed, bam, you get slammed and they can sue you no matter what and you just have to defend yourself. It's pretty brutal. Let's see, we were on number eight, is that it? Um, yeah, so number nine, oh no, sorry, we were on nine. Are there any patents? Okay, number 10, very simple. What is your Skype ID for faster communication? You wanna be communicating with people very quickly. Going back and forth through email, especially because of the time difference is just terrible. I prefer to come online a little bit later in the evening and start talking to them directly and I can get you know, 20, 30 emails worth of communication going uh, very quickly and uh, get things done in short order. That's about it. I, I finish off the email with basically saying, you know, we're gonna order our first test order. I say a thousand units. You wanna kinda show them that you're dealing with some big numbers and in the future, we're gonna have monthly repeat orders and they're gonna be larger. And that's the truth, right? We're, the plan is to grow the business to increase the number of sales daily so that when we do order next time, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then each time we do order, we can try to negotiate an even better price. And it doesn't take a lot, guys. I mean, think about this. If you're ordering, if you get to the point where you're ordering 5,000 units of something and you can negotiate, you know, a 20 cent reduction on the cost per unit, right? What is that? It's $1,000? It's $1,000 you save on that order alone. So if you're ordering every single month, that's $12,000 that you save in a year. You know, imagine when you get up to even larger volumes. It just all adds up. If you can save 20 cents here, 30 cents there, yeah, it makes a big difference, I think. So one thing I should mention, when you are dealing with these guys and you're act asking for pricing, you're gonna wanna make sure all the things that your product actually needs. I think you're gonna, you're, I mean, you're gonna know whether the product comes in a bag, like a poly bag, or if it's gonna come in a box, right? So if it comes in a poly bag, you wanna make sure that the packaging that they provide is the right poly bag, is it the right thickness, is it the right size? If it is over a certain size, it's gonna need a suffocation label. Is that something that they can print up? How much is it gonna cost to, to do that and to apply? The FN SKUs that you wanna put on there, are you gonna be sending them the label so they can print them up and stick them on the product? Or are you gonna have Amazon do that? Again, it's, a, it's another expense that you could save. Why pay Amazon 10 times the amount, right? When you can have these factories apply the label, they can actually print the label and apply them for just a few cents each. It just makes no sense to me to, to have Amazon do it out here. You know, save 20 cents here, 30 cents there, and do that three or four times and you save yourself a dollar, dollar per unit. 10,000 units in a month if you get to that point, that'd be awesome, right? It's $10,000 a month, you say, that's a six-figure savings per year. And you might say, wow, 10,000 units, that's crazy. But it's not that crazy, really. I mean, think about it. If you have 10 products that you build up to and each one is only doing 1,000 units per month, you're talking about just over 30 units per day, you're done. I mean, that is, that's it. That's 10,000 units. All right, so let's talk about a few other things now. We've talked about how to contact the suppliers using the email template. Again, I'll link that in the show notes so you'll have it. One of the things that I use a lot is Evernote. If you don't have Evernote, get it. It's one of the many tools that I use. It's one that I use every day. It's awesome because it, it syncs up with everything that I'm using, whether it's my Mac or my PC or my phone or whatever it is. I can take notes anywhere. I can you know do voice notes. I can write stuff. I can attach images. I can do snippets of websites, whatever it is I need. Well, for this, I actually take the emails that I'm sending out and I'll, I have a page within Evernote that I actually paste in there. Each time I send one to a supplier, I'll paste it in there with the information for that particular niche and that way, if I'm sending it to another company later on in the day or the next day or next week or whenever it is, I can just go back, copy, just change a, a few things in there uh, based on the product 
send it out. Works really great for me. I know some of you might want to be doing this using spreadsheets or whatever the case might be. But yeah, Evernote works really well for me. Okay, so you now have been communicating with the suppliers. You should have contacted at least five to 10 suppliers for each product that you're going after, right? So you've gone back and forth and there's strategies, more advanced strategies that are, I think, beyond the scope of this particular uh, podcast, this episode, because otherwise it'll it'll go on for, for hours. Um, so we won't get into the advanced tactics of how you should uh, communicate with them to negotiate the absolute best price. But just know that the first pricing that they send you most likely is not their best price. So try to get that down. Um, and you're going to kind of find out as you're getting pricing from other companies, other factories, where that range is, right? If you're ordering a product and out of the 10 companies you've contacted, they all fall within 3 and $4 roughly, then you know that's kind of the range. It, it's probably not going to happen that you can order the product for a dollar, okay? But feel them out. And if there's a couple of them that you want to just kind of completely lowball, knowing that they, you know, you might lose them, it's not that big of a deal, right? You got to ton of other guys so lowball them I mean shoot shoot a crazy number out there and see what they say I've done that actually with with a, one of my suppliers and you know they kind of laughed and came back and said you know that they thought I had made a mistake when I, I mentioned that number but I ended up saving uh, not a lot but it was uh, I think it was about 30 what was it like 30 cents more and I wasn't expecting to get it but it was on a lot of units it was 30 cents per piece and it was like six pieces per unit so it ended up being over over a dollar per unit that I actually actually saved overall so it was really good earlier in the episode I had mentioned that you don't want to be using your title CEO or president or something like that you don't want to be the owner of the company because it could actually impede your negotiation at least it does for me so what I do is if I'm just the purchasing manager or a, pur- a purchasing agent, whatever the case might be, I can now defer the negotiation to the CEO, right? Or to a director or whatever, somebody higher up. So when I'm going back to the supplier and I'm trying to negotiate with them, I can say, you know what? Your pricing is higher than other companies that have submitted their bids. So I need to send this to my director or I need to send this to my CEO and see what they say. And you can, you can play the good cop, bad cop card that way, right? So you can keep coming back to them and saying, Hey, our CEO turned down your offer. Our director said you need to come in with a better price. So it just gives you a little bit more leverage to use and you'd be surprised. I mean, even when you're down to just negotiating cents, everything counts, right? If it's five cents, 10 cents, 20 cents, it all matters, especially when you start doing volume. Maybe you just need to get some additional things thrown in. I mean, for them, 10 cents might seem like a lot, but 10 cents for them might actually get you three different labels printed up and stuck on your poly bag, right? You might actually have your product, like the actual product image that looks cool, and then you can have your, your skew, and you can have a suffocation label, all of that thrown on there for 10 cents. Whereas if you did it here in the US, might be 50 cents, 60 cents. So the value that you save by having them throw that in there is tremendous, at least if you are going to be doing it here. So it doesn't always have to be a price off the top of the product, if that makes sense, right? It's just value. So you can negotiate them throwing in more stuff, have them throw in stamping your logo on the product or adding the made in China sticker on the product somewhere, whatever it takes. But use 
use that CEO card, you know, as needed. Leverage somebody else in the company. They're the bad guys. They're the ones that keep turning this down and you're fighting for them, fighting for the factory to try to get this deal going. Okay. All right. You're talking to the suppliers. You should probably have narrowed it down at this point. You've got guys that have really good pricing. The products look good. Now you got to request samples, right? I always try to request samples from at least two to three suppliers. Out of the ones I've narrowed it down to, two to three suppliers. Because you want those products to be in your hand. You want to see what they look like and want to compare them. Maybe it's not the right color. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know. There's a million things that could happen. The other thing that you can do that's really important, I think, is that initial cost, that big fee for the samples comes in one time, right? So they're going to charge you a lot for a particular product. If the product is normally $3, they're probably going to charge you $20 for the sample. And then you, you're going to get hit with a large, what, what might seem like a large, it's standard, but a large shipping fee, right? It's going to be 30, 35 bucks, 40 bucks for getting it shipped via express shipping through DHL, UPS, FedEx. So what I like to do is if they have other variations of the product I'm looking at, or maybe even some other products that the factory makes that I might be interested in, that's a time where I ask them to also throw those into my sample box because it's not gonna really change the price that much. And I found that even when a company is charging you like five times more than the cost of the product as a sample fee, right? Let's say it's $4, a $4 product and they're giving, me, giving it to me uh, at a sample fee of 20. If I ask for like three or four other products or variations, I actually get those for almost nothing. They'll actually come in at the, the $4 fee. They don't charge me the full amount for those. And then the shipping fee doesn't really go up that much because it's that initial, that initial shipping fee from China to here that, that is the big, uh, the big cost. The actual weight isn't increasing that much. So instead of it being 30 bucks, maybe it's $37. I mean, unless you're ordering lead plates or <laughs> something heavy. Um, but yeah, take advantage of getting as much as you can from that factory when you're ordering your initial samples. On top of that, the variations, like if you're ordering, you know, a widget and you want to get, um, you know, three different widget styles. You know, this one is smooth and this one has got, is, is got lines through it or there are different colors. You want to compare them, right? You might find that the quality of one is way better than the other. And it might have been the, the one that you were interested in might be the one that is actually the, the weakest or the cheapest looking in person, right? I've had that happen as well, where I get something that looks awesome on the website and then I get it and I'm like, ugh, the quality doesn't look anywhere near as nice as it did on their site. And then believe me guys, a lot of these factories will straight up copy images from each other and the images that you see on their website aren't actually what you're getting. The larger suppliers typically are pretty good about that. They'll even watermark their images. But sometimes, uh, I mean, you, you don't get what you think you're going to be getting. And that's another thing is it's important when you actually do order from them that your purchase order have some kind of a clause or a line on there that states that they will be shipping you the same product that you actually received in the sample. You want to make sure that you don't get something different than what you got. And that's where the trade assurance comes in. And you can actually put that in the notes for trade assurance. Again, go back to episode number three, I think that uh, that covers covers the trade assurance. So let me tell you a story real quick about where I ordered a bunch of products. It's, it was really early on. It was in the very, very beginning. And I thought, you know what? I want to try to sell a very specific style of iPhone cover, right? Now I know iPhone covers. It's, it's a nightmare market. I, I know I've heard of guys that just are killing it, but everybody that I've seen that tries it 
it's just brutal they just don't get anywhere so but i almost <laughs> i almost went into that market uh, but anyways this this iphone cover uh, the thing was it was it was unique i thought well it's different than anything else out there it might do pretty well it had like this special armor plating and it would appeal to younger the call of duty type gamers and so i found a supplier and they had a ton of colors so my first initial order i, I ordered an actual sample and it cost me 72 dollars and this $72, that included the shipping and everything, included 10 different colors for the iPhone 6 Plus, and it was another 10 colors for the iPhone 6. So it was a, tw a total of 20 different iPhone cases, including shipping for 72 bucks, right? So that's, that was a really good deal, I thought. So anyways, they shipped them out. I got them, I think, in like four days. And my brother and I, we slapped them on our phones for a couple days to test them out. And one of these particular pieces of armor that clipped onto the phone case it was you know it was the part that actually made it look really cool made it look like that call of duty style or that look um, it kept popping off it would pop off super easy so i would say probably a quarter of the cases that we got the armor just wouldn't even clip onto the case properly you'd stick it on there and as soon as you try to pull it out of your pocket boom, the little thing popped off so it was just brutal i mean it looked awesome and, and when even when you're holding it and you actually had it on your phone it looked great but functionality wise it was terrible. It would have led to one-star reviews across the board. I'm pretty sure of it. Had I just ordered one of those products, like one of those cases, I might not have seen those defects because some of the cases were good, not many. Because I ordered a bunch, I immediately noticed there was a, a production issue with what they had. I actually told, I, I ended up talking to the factory and telling them about it and they weren't aware of it, they said. But yeah, it was massive. Had I ordered those, I would have been, uh, I would have been in trouble. I mean, forget about entering the iPhone case market um, and that being hard enough, I would have had a, a bum product. So after that, you know, I, I never stopped looking for products and eventually I did. I found a number of good products that were good and did really well and are still doing really well. And I'm going to be covering those very, very soon because I'm super excited. I'm going to cover those in a, in a podcast. Okay, so back to the samples. I threw some shipping numbers out there. Expect to pay 30 bucks or so in shipping for a standard small, non-heavy item, something that's you know under a kilo or under, let's say, a pound or two. That's kind of what it's gonna cost for shipping. You wanna ship it through DHL, UPS, FedEx. China has their own shipping as well. I find that UPS usually gets the stuff here really good. FedEx, sometimes a little bit longer. DHL, I don't know what it is with DHL but the packages always look like they were thrown, <laughs> they were rolled across a freeway a few times and been hit uh, before they get here. The, the boxes always come mashed, so I, I prefer not to use DHL, but maybe it's just bad luck that I've had. Remember that I said don't sweat it when the supplier is going to charge you way more for a sample product than, than what it actually costs you. That's normal. And I notice it's it's more normal the more expensive the product is. If you're going for something cheap, like the, the iPhone cases and the example I just used, you know, I got 20 iPhone cases plus shipping for 72 bucks. That was, that was pretty cheap. But my next product after that was um, a $40 product and my cost was uh, 25 bucks. I'm sorry, $12 was my actual cost. Um, the sample was $25. So the sample was almost double that of the actual final cost that I was gonna get per product when I ordered in bulk, okay? I hope you're learning, you've taken some notes and, and you can start applying this stuff. Okay, so another thing guys, um, in the email that we send the suppliers, we ask for the Skype 
ID so you can communicate with them, right? So let me just say, I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit that during this whole product selection process, I had a ton of nights, just a bunch of nights where I stayed up way, way too late for my own good. Okay, and the reason for that is that all the Chinese suppliers that I was dealing with, they'd come online around seven o'clock my time. Okay, so I'm in California, so I'm uh, um, Pacific Standard Time. About seven o'clock is when they would come on, right? So if you're East Coast, it's even later. Um, and I had asked uh, all of these guys for their Skype, they would pop on to talk about the product. And as things got more serious, and after I pulled the trigger with my final supplier, you know, that's when the, the real chatting started on Skype. That's when it got crazy. Now that helped a lot because it sped things up. I mean, honestly, even though it was taking minutes to, to get an answer, it would go back and forth. And I was probably talking to four, five, six, seven, who, who knows how many suppliers it was crazy at the time. And I would get to bed late. You know, they, it was very, very easy to see the clock tick over from PM to AM, right? Before I actually went to bed. So keep that in mind. You might have some late nights if you do it the way I did it. I kind of dedicated myself very, very heavily, very strongly to you know my commitment, my effort to to reach a specific goal. Right? I I said early on in episode one I wanted to hit 25k in sales in my first 90 days. So I was like, no matter what, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn everything there is, and I probably put like three months worth of training into the first month. And I talked to so many suppliers, just learned everything I could. And I was putting in tons and tons of hours. So it worked out really well. I think you guys are going to be surprised by the numbers that I talk about here shortly um, in, a, in an upcoming podcast. But, you know, put in the work and uh, you should see some, some really good results. So we're going to end this podcast here. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about how to pay for your products, get it shipped uh, here customs, getting it over to Amazon, the things you have to ensure that your product has so that it doesn't get rejected or denied by Amazon. There's a number of things that my products, for example, absolutely had to have. Uh, otherwise, it was going to be rejected for sure. And luckily, I found out about these things in advance, made sure that my supplier took care of everything and everything went relatively perfect, honestly. Um, so we're going to talk about all, all those things. It'll probably be a shorter podcast, but there's a lot of cool stuff to cover in that episode, the next episode. So let's end it there, guys. You know, hey, I appreciate you uh, hanging in here this long. I know this one was long, but join me on the next episode. And guys, if you like what you have uh, heard in this episode or any of my previous episodes, please do subscribe if you haven't already done so. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.